Hey friends, did you know that you can come hang out with me in real life? That's right. The Work In Podcast and Savage Grace Coaching makes its home in a boutique studio space called The Loft Yoga and Wellness in historic downtown Spring Valley, Ohio. This hidden gem of the Miami Valley is nestled in between Dayton, Columbus, and Cincinnati. As a part of my mission to bring a legacy of resilience through movement, each month you can join me for a hike on the bike trail, followed by a free trauma-informed vinyasa class back at the studio on Main Street. Go to savagegracecoaching.com to see the calendar and join my newsletter, A Yoga Life on Main Street, to stay up to date on all the latest studio news, events, and gossip. And now... On to this week's episode. Welcome to The Work In, your guide to natural ways out of stress, tension, and trauma. My name is Erica Thomas. I'm a certified trauma release exercise provider, health coach, and yoga instructor. And I'm fusing my 20 plus years of experience to bring you a new perspective on health and wellness. I believe that true health and healing begins and ends with the nervous system, and that means, for most of us, we need to reintroduce those connections. The great news is that we can, and that's what the work in is all about. Throughout this podcast, you'll find tools, resources, practices, people, and perspectives that will help you add to your own resilience arsenal and shake off the effects of all sources of chronic physical, mental, and emotional stress. My intention is solely to bring you information and empower you with permission to stop working out and start working in. The Work In is brought to you by Kinetic Grace Resilience. Kinetic Grace is an online program designed to teach safe self-regulation of the stress response through the body using trauma release exercise guided body awareness, and the breath. The program includes private instruction, exclusive access to certified providers, and 30 days of group classes. And because it's online, Kinetic Grace is available anywhere you are. Enrollment is open now. Visit ElementalKinetics.com to learn more. Welcome back to our series on self-regulation. Today, we are working in to this idea of external regulation of the nervous system. Last time, we talked about safe self-regulation and what's going on in the body as it's trying to regulate or balance the different states and how the overlap between our somatic or voluntary sides of our nervous system and autonomic or involuntary or reflexive sides of our nervous system can offer us some pathways to help with that balance. External regulation happens through that somatic side of our nervous system. In other words, we introduce something outside of ourself to affect our internal state. And there are a lot of different categories. Some are more socially acceptable than others, as you'll see. But before we get into them, I'd like to encourage you just for today to let go of any judgment you might have about any of them. The body doesn't see anything that we do as good, bad, or right, or wrong. 
All of that is just meaning that we color into our actions after the fact. The body and the nervous system is really just looking for efficient ways to help you survive in any given moment. And as with anything that people do, there are always positive and negative consequences. But just for now, we are only looking at the process of external regulation with some objectivity so we can get a better understanding of what that is. So let's start working in with some types of external regulation. Everything we come into contact with, no matter what it is, is going to have some kind of effect on the nervous system, whether we notice it or not. Whatever our nervous system state is, if we are awake, we are in constant fluctuation there. Today, we're going to talk about three different kinds of external regulation, chemical, physical, and mental. And as you'll see, there's definitely overlap between them all. As always, when we work with the body, it's never really about one thing. You can't really tease out just one particular thing. Everything is connected. All of our systems are connected. How we feel about things is connected. And Everything is going to affect everything else in some way. Whether we understand that pathway yet or not doesn't really matter. We just need to understand that we are really complex and connected beings. So we're going to start with chemical external regulation. And there's a lot of different things that fall under this category. The first is food. And I want to talk about this first because nutrition is one of our pillars of resilience. And it's a very powerful way for us to communicate with our nervous system how we eat, what we eat, and our eating patterns over our lifetime can really have a big influence on how we feel. And that's because we have so many neuro connections in our gut. Have you ever heard the term comfort food? Well, that's a real thing. Foods that are very high in carbohydrates trigger our dopamine pathways. Both dopamine and serotonin play really important roles in how we feel and how we see the world. So a little sidebar on dopamine and serotonin. Serotonin is a neurotransmitter that is all about how we feel pleasure in the moment, in the here and now. And dopamine is our neurotransmitter or hormone of motivation and drive towards pleasure. And so both of those things work in concert. Now, when we eat, what we eat and why we eat become really, really important here, um, as well as what it is that we are feeding ourselves. Now, of course, the nervous system is going to pay attention to how we are nourishing our body just for survival, right? We need to get proper nutrition in order to uh, be able to support just our physical body. And that definitely is an, an important piece 
to our overall stress response. But when we eat specifically high carbohydrate foods and trigger those dopamine pathways or our motivation pathways and our here and now pleasure pathways as in serotonin, we can really get into affecting our overall sense of well-being, right? And so parts of those pathways can get really deep into the brain. It's just another form of external regulation. Then we have alcohol and caffeine. So like I said earlier, some of our external regulation can come from substances that are more socially acceptable than others. And alcohol and caffeine are a couple of those substances, right? So we can have a glass of wine or beer to help us come down after a very stressful day. That is external regulation. And we can use caffeine to keep us alert uh, and more focused throughout the day and use that as a way to kind of uh, overcome our natural ebb and flow of energy through the nervous system. Medicine, pharmaceuticals, and both legal and illegal drugs are also considered external regulation. And remember, everything you consume is going to affect your nervous system in some way, even if you don't notice it. So even if we're just talking about something very mild, like an over-the-counter anti-inflammatory, like Tylenol or Advil or something like that, even if you don't notice it, that is still going to have some kind of effect on your nervous system. And maybe in just removing that inflammation, you are actually calming the nervous system, but it definitely does still have that effect. Now, in a future episode, we are going to be talking about how external regulation can lead us into addiction and addictive behavior. So I don't want to get too much into that right now, but I do want to remind us all here that there is a fine line between medicine and poison in the human body. And each and every one of us has a slightly different physiology. And so for the idea of taking some kind of drug to specifically help us with a nervous system response, for example, uh, anxiety disorders or depressive disorders, we wanna be really, really careful here because As I mentioned earlier, changing just one thing about our uh, physiology doesn't necessarily mean that only one thing will change. Everything works in concert. All of our neurotransmitters and hormones, everything is connected to something else in ways that we don't really understand fully yet, although, you know, doctors understand a lot right? Medicine is a miracle, but sometimes the body knows best. Now, I want to finish this particular segment 
with a little talk about supplements because over-the-counter supplements also can affect our nervous system response for the reasons that I just mentioned. Because when you change one little nutrient value, it can have kind of a cascading effect through the body, sometimes positive, sometimes negative. And so we want to be really, really careful here about what we are taking and why. So I I, want to do a future episode on why we take certain supplements because it's There's a lot out there and it's really hard to kind of filter through all of the information and figure out what is going to be right for you. Everybody just wants to be healthier, wants to be the best, the best person that they can be and in the best health that they can have. And that's great. So I want to give you a resource here. It's a website called examine.com, and I learned about it from one of my favorite podcast hosts, Andrew Huberman, and he does the podcast Huberman Lab. If you go to this website, examine.com, and you can put in any supplement, any drug, and it's going to give you the science behind that, uh, that particular substance and what it actually does, and you may even be able to find certain levels of whatever it is if you, let's say, are curious about using ashwagandha for stress reduction. You can put ashwagandha in there and find the uh, clinical trials that they've used, what they, what the actual results were, and whether or not they were significantly um, Uh, statistically significant to make your decision. So it's just another way to be better informed. And I highly recommend that people always uh, check with their doctor before taking any kind of supplement and, um, and then do their own research because you want to become your best expert in your own body for sure. Okay, so let's move on from our chemical external regulation of the nervous system and talk a little bit about the physical external regulation. And what I mean here is physical movement. Movement is another one of our pillars of resilience, and it's really important for many reasons in the human body. We are made to move. We are not made to sit at a computer all day or made to hang around on the couch and watch Netflix all day. This body that you are living in is created to move. One of the ways that many people use to externally help them balance their stress response is exercise or movement. And As you know, there is a wide range of options for how you can do that. Everyone is different. Some people love exercise. Some people love to sweat. Some people hate it. Some people really just are so resistant to the idea of exercise in the way we think of exercise. Uh, That hardcore boot camp or uh, choreographed aerobics or running or even just walking. But Let's break out of the idea that you have to take yourself out of your day to get activity. The body doesn't know whether or not it's in a sweaty gym or if you're outside gardening. Both of those things count. And in my opinion, doing some kind of 
what I would consider gentle or moderate activity in outside where you can see the sun and breathe fresh air, much more beneficial to the nervous system than uh, taking yourself out of your day and checking a box to go to that boot camp, which in some cases can actually escalate our stress response beyond. Now, that is just a personal opinion. And again, uh, I just want to remind you, we're not making a judgment on what type of exercise or movement, but uh, exercise itself is a, a external regulatory activity that you can do for your nervous system. We just need to be careful that we don't push ourselves beyond a certain level and actually aggravate our nervous system more. It just all depends on what our goals are and what our intention is behind that exercise. So if we are exercising to train for an event or if we are exercising to reach a certain fitness goal, a certain weight loss goal, something like that, that type of exercise of course looks very different than the type of exercise we would choose if our goal is to calm our nervous system or establish a new resilience pattern for our stress response. So keep that in mind. Another way to externally regulate our nervous system is not something that I recommend, but it's the idea of introducing pain into the body. Now this is where we can kind of overlap a little bit with our exercise because for some individuals who have been living in this chronically elevated uh, state of activation. In other words, really, really high on that stress scale. If you have lived there for a very long time, there's this thing that happens where the body kind of disconnects a lot of the sensations from our brain. And so it takes a lot more uh, effort for you to feel something in your body. And so this is kind of on the extreme level, but for some people, they will use either extreme types of exercise to feel pain and they confuse pain with um, hard work or a great workout or on the extreme side of that, you know, in order to feel anything, people who want to feel something or anything will resort to self-harm. And of course, as I said before, there's no judgment here, but this is just a reaction uh, to find a way to sort of reconnect with the body with some kind of feeling, any kind of feeling right? So another way that people physically, externally self-regulate is by seeking out high-risk behavior. So this is an interesting thing because what happens when we are in a high-risk situation or a threatening situation is that the body will flood with adrenaline and epinephrine. And in that state with adrenaline just pumping throughout the body, there's kind of an opioid response or a numbing response. It's a survival response for the nervous system because when we are in that high-risk state, in that high-risk um, 
experience, the body is trying to protect us from pain. And so it, so that's part of adrenaline's job. It kind of shuts down these pain receptors. And so for some people, that high-risk activity, it can be addictive because they are addicted to that numbing response that comes from all of that adrenaline. So it's something to think about. I want to wrap up this segment on physical external regulation, talking about the breath. Now, this technically is both a physical external regulation and an internal self-regulation. And this is what I was talking about earlier about this overlap between a somatic and autonomic systems and a way to get in. Now, we are gonna be talking more specifically in a future episode about some of those breathing techniques and tools that you can actually use in real time to affect your nervous system state. But for now, I just want you to think a little bit about your breath because the breath, how you breathe, you do not have to think about it. So I'm asking you to think about how you're breathing right now so you can notice how you're breathing. You have the power, you have the control at your fingertips to be able to change how you're breathing at any given moment. But if you decide you don't want to think about it, which most of us pay no attention to how we breathe, you don't have to. And so that is why it is one of the fastest pathways into the nervous system. It's an external thing that we physically can do to affect our state, but we don't have to. And so it makes it kind of unique in that way. Our final category of external regulation is what I consider to be kind of a mental external regulation. It's something that I have noticed a lot, especially over the last year with our COVID pandemic. And What I want to talk about here is this idea of voluntary dissociation or numbing activities to avoid feeling whatever it is that we're feeling. Now, there's probably some therapists and psychologists out there that are going to disagree with this as a form of external regulation, but this is just something that I noticed in myself and I notice in other people as well. And it's just kind of coming up over and over again. Now, I want to mention dissociation first, and I'm not talking about the kind of dissociation that happens involuntarily when we are stuck in that high functioning free state where we lose pieces of time. Okay, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the everyday kind of dissociation that people do all the time. You and I do this all the time. I do it every time I get in the car. Anything that you do that is a long-term habit, like driving a car that you don't have to think about anymore, gives you the opportunity to dissociate, which means you don't have to think about how you drive the car anymore, right? You can think about other things. And I can make it from point A to point B driving in my car and never have noticed a single turn, stoplight, stop sign, anything about the traffic at all. That's dissociation. Or maybe dissociation might be you have an intention of going to get something out of the kitchen. You all of a sudden find yourself in the kitchen and can't remember any 
thing about what it was that brought you to the kitchen. So those are the kinds of dissociations that I'm talking about. And along with that dissociation, the choiceful action to remove yourself mentally from the moment or from your day, doing things like binge watching The Walking Dead for three weeks, where we just sit ourselves down, find a place of stillness because we don't want to be consciously present in our day, we're going to do something else that takes us completely out of our reality for some length of time. So it could be television, it could be podcasts, it could be reading. I personally am very fond of Kindle Unlimited, and I will get nine book series and sit down and read them for hours and hours. I can lose myself. This is a choice because we are bringing something else in from the outside to help take us out of our body in the moment. And that's what I mean by mental external regulation. It's not necessarily something that improves our our nervous system state or uh, is detrimental to our nervous system state. It's like a neutral action just pulling back completely. Chemical, physical, and mental external regulation, these are just some of the very powerful ways that people can externally regulate their nervous system. And I don't know about you, but I have recognized many of these in my own life, and now I can really notice them a lot in other people as well. There's absolutely nothing wrong with using external regulation sometimes. Sometimes we need that. The problem, I think, is in the fact that our society and our culture today has really misled us into believing that we can't self-regulate without something that is outside of ourself. The human body, our nervous system, is well-equipped to handle all sources of stress and threat. You are born knowing how to do this. It's just that we've been socialized out of our natural responses. It's not polite. It's not socially acceptable to trust your gut. Sometimes it's just plain rude. But for whatever the reason, it's never too late to rediscover your innate resilience. We can use that overlapping space between our somatic and autonomic nervous systems to give the body a way to release unresolved stress and trauma and current stress and trauma in safe ways. And that's what we'll be talking about next time on The Work In. I'll be sharing some very simple, accessible tools to help anyone anywhere find their own nervous system reset in the moment, in real time. Thanks for listening and be sure to check the show notes for any links that we mentioned in today's episode. And if you like what you heard and you want to learn some more, you can follow me on Facebook at Elemental Kinetics Move Well or on Instagram at Elemental Kinetics. Thanks everyone and I'll see you next time on the work in.